you wake up in a pool of drool and say, wow, that goes by the way Bobby's sermon. <laughs> <laughs> and then I talk about how the, the mark of a great congregation uh, is that we're gainfully employed. That we realize that, that we exist and we have been blessed to serve other people. We were created to be the hands and the feet of Jesus in this community. And so all of the opportunities that we have in this church uh, are opportunities to go and to be gainfully employed in service for God uh, and for Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so that brings us today uh, to the thing that I want to address. Another mark of a great congregation is generosity. Generosity. Uh, this is certainly a lot of preachers don't like to preach on talking about being generous before the financial gifts. But it's an important mark, and it's an indicator of our spiritual vitality. And so I'd like for us to consider that in just a few moments today. Um, we just read from 2 Corinthians, the 8th chapter. We read verses 7 through 15 or so. Uh, what I'd like to do is just pick up a little bit before that. Paul is talking to the Christians in the Corinthian church. And Paul is reminding them that, that uh, in the past, that they had made a commitment, that they said that they were going to take up a special offering for the struggling church in Jerusalem. And Paul even talked to other churches about the Corinthians' willingness to participate in this offering. And he's now coming back to those Corinthian Christians because they haven't fulfilled their pledge. They haven't maintained their commitment. And so Paul realizes something about the Corinthian church in general, and perhaps even about us today. And that's that we all like a little competition. And we all have a competitive spirit. And so what Paul does is he calls these Corinthians out and he says, you know what? When the church goes down the way, they're going to never be anymore. In fact, here's what happened. I told them that you were supporting this special offer to the Jerusalem church, and they're really struggling financially. It's a really tough time for these Macedonian churches. But when I told them that the church of Corinth was supporting this special offer, guess what? Despite the fact that they were struggling financially themselves, they decided that they wanted to participate. I mean, it's said, if those Baptists are doing it, I'm going to do it too. Or if those Macedonian Christians are doing it, then I'm going to do it too. So those Macedonian churches, despite the fact that they were struggling financially, they gave those Corinthian Christians that they had pledged to support this special offering, and so they decided to do it too. And not only did they take up an offering, but Paul tells the Corinthian church, those Macedonians who are struggling so hard financially, they even went well beyond their means in supporting this offering. The church not only did they secure an offering when they were struggling, not, all, not only did they get beyond their means when they gave the offering, but guess what? After that, they begged me for the privilege to give even more. And 
so it's a difficult to say, okay, Corinth, what do you got? You know that those Macedonians out there in here, they're struggling more than you. They may be beyond their means. And then they pray for you. Keep on praying. And then Paul is in here and he observes, like one of his preachers would, he says, St. Mark, you already excel in speech, in faith, and knowledge. You're so good at everything else. How are you going to let the Macedonians do you to the foreign Don't you want to excel in generosity like you excel in everything else? Paul doesn't stop there. Not only is he trying to convince the Corinthian Christians to fulfill the commitment, the pledge that they made for the special offering to the Jerusalem church, but then he lifts up Jesus. He talks about how Jesus actually poured himself out and became poor, emptied himself, so that Christians throughout the world could have abundant life and eternal life. And so we talk about how that God up in heaven, that Jesus up in heaven could have remained there in his fully divine state, but instead took on a human form and lowered himself, became poor, and came to earth so that we might know how much God loves us, so that we might see lived out and exemplified how God desires for us to live. And embody faith. And Paul says, You and I could not have the life that we have were it not for Jesus being willing to pour himself out. Were it not for Jesus being willing to become poor so that we could become rich. Were it not for the fact that Jesus would empty himself so that we could be filled. So great was God's love that God sent his only begotten Son of the world. In the same way that you don't deserve this, many of these other churches don't deserve your help, but I need you here as an expression of your covenant, your gratitude. It's almost as if Paul knew at that point that um, the Corinthian Christians were still thinking about those Macedonians who had not only given in the midst of financial struggles in their own life, but they gave beyond their means to give, and then they begged to give more. And said, look, Christian Christians, I'm not asking you to give beyond your means. I'm not even asking you to give till it hurts. What I'm asking you here is just to keep your patience. His response to the God is supreme and gracious. Amen. I don't want you to give this offering because.
Just to pray, all the set.